0: We love her. So mine is rather embarrassing, it's incontinence. Basically, I started experiencing like the urgency because you have different types of incontinence, which I wasn't aware of as well. And mine happens to be urgency. It's not like just leaking, like some women might sneeze and a bit of urine comes out. Mine was more like all of a sudden I have to go. Like I would be in you know walking to the bathroom, and then all of a sudden I get there i'm like oh shit it's gonna it's gonna come out or something and you know before I just thought it was psychological, like, oh, because you know I'm near the bathroom door, obviously, maybe I'm thinking that I have to go badly, but it's not that at all and um for me to come out and talk about it um it's like you know well, now I'm kind of used to it because I've shared my story a few times with different people.
1: Everyone, we're back. Thanks for joining us. I'm Judy DeMello. I'm Sue DeLara. And I'm Anne Katari, otherwise known as V Love's First Lady of Bladder Weakness. Haha, <laughs> she, she's our very own ambassador of incontinence. <laughs> Let's make it ambassador for continence, please. Yes, that's true. You're working towards that. I'm getting there. Okay, good. Before we get going, I'd like to remind everyone that if you're enjoying our five-star show, please leave us a five-star review wherever you download your pods.
2: All right. So if you've been a regular listener of The Hub, you probably know by now that we start each episode with a snippet of a menopause story told by regular women. By doing this, we're hoping to shed some light on the fact that even though the menopause experience is totally different for us all, there's always someone else out there who's going through a similar journey. And so you're definitely
1: not alone. And you know, sometimes it does feel like the voice of regular women gets drowned out in this menopausal awareness space, because we're always so focused on hearing from the experts. And I say that with air quotes. So we figured let's listen to regular women, even if they're anonymous, because They have real stories to tell, and by listening to them, we might just encourage more women to start talking about menopause more openly.
0: Yeah, it was all going really well until we asked a few women to speak about urinary incontinence or bladder weakness, which happens to be one of my great struggles doing menopause, and I'm definitely not alone in this. It's estimated that two-thirds of women over 40 suffer from some sort of bladder weakness, and that it often affects their mental
1: health. So we figure, let's discuss this. And several women came forward and said, yep, that's my issue. But when it came time to interview them, and we always stressed that they could be completely anonymous, they all backed out. Every single one of them. No one was willing to talk about leakage, even though it's such a common thing. Clearly
2: it's an issue that women are deeply embarrassed about. And look, I get it. Adult incontinence is not sexy. Being wet? is hot. Wetting ourselves is so not hot. (laughs) So Anne decided to take one for the team, go Anne, thank you, on this episode and talk about her experience with bladder weakness and the different treatments she tried in order to help her issue.
0: Yep. If bladder weakness is your thing, then I hope you'll find this episode helpful. Also, if you need help finding resources and treatment options, then please visit our website at vlovehub.com. That's V-L-U-V-H-U-B.com. So Anne, you tried a couple of different treatments for bladder weakness, right? Yes, I tried two different options. One is high-end, go to the spa and get it done. And the other one is an at-home treatment, which is more affordable. I'll be giving my reviews for both of the
1: options that I did. Great, but first, here's a short interview with Stephen Gregg, the Executive Director of the National Association for Continence, which is a private, non-profit organization that's dedicated to helping people with incontinence and other pelvic floor disorders. It's a really great resource for anyone suffering from any kind of incontinence issues. So, enjoy.
0: And remember, Kegels while you're listening...
1: So Stephen, I can assure you that I don't live under a rock, but even so, I was very surprised to learn that there's an organization out there that's actually dedicated to continents and incontinence.
3: It's a little surprising that there was a woman that lived in Spartanburg, South Carolina, Catherine Jeter, and she started the organization in 1982. So if you think about how hard it is to talk about incontinence, bladder and bowel dysfunction, it must have been impossible in 82. And she saw a need that there were primarily women that didn't know what to do, didn't know who to talk to, were afraid to talk to their doctors. And so our role is to make sure that we can provide tips and resources to primarily women, to make sure they understand what their condition is, what is possible to do something about it, how would you do something about it, and then who would you talk to about that.
1: And is there a physical location that people can visit as well?
3: There is not. We are a national nonprofit, so we are distributed everywhere across the country.
1: Now, spoken with many, many, many women about menopause and about the taboo of menopause. And We've found that for the most part, people are happy to talk about hot flashes and night sweats and weight gain and mood swings, but two areas still remain pretty off limits, vaginal dryness and bladder weakness, and or I should say incontinence in general. And in the case of the latter, I've read that something like 18 million women in the United States suffer from it, but most of them do so in silence. And so do you think this embarrassment we feel about having bladder issues or incontinence issues stems from ageism because we associate incontinence with somebody who's frail and aged?
3: You know, that's a large part of it. So when I joined in 2014, what we kept hearing was that women women when they would try to seek out help, we're often told two things. One, I can't believe they're still saying through 2020, which is you really shouldn't have had those babies. The second was, uh, it's just a sign of getting older. There's nothing you can do about it. We do know that there is an element of aging that has an impact on incontinence, specifically the loss of estrogen, results in vaginal dryness and loss of integrity of the muscles of the pelvic floor, including those that are responsible for keeping the bladder sort of working normally. So when estrogen goes down, the pelvic floor really undergoes a really difficult time. What
1: are the various symptoms of urinary incontinence?
3: She'll notice leaking, and leaking can occur primarily one of two ways. One is called stress urinary incontinence, And so if you laugh, sneeze, you often see women reporting about, I was lifting a child or lifting a grandchild, uh, causes a little leakage. So anything that increases thoracic pressure tends to cause a little leaking because the bladder is not being held very tightly. The other is urge incontinence and best described as, when I got to go, I got to go right now. That's also referred to as overactive bladder, OAB, and that can be really problematic. Mostly when women go in to see a, a physician, about OEB, they have had some form of disastrous consequence. The one that is most troubling, but we hear about a lot is I wet myself at my daughter's wedding. And I would say that's pretty traumatic. Yeah,
1: I would say so. So, all right, so let's say I come to you and uh, I'm suffering from some sort of urinary incontinence, leakage, whatever it may be. And I get in touch with your organization and I describe my symptoms to someone, um, what happens next?
3: First, we're not a medical association, so I can't provide medical advice. What I can do is, if you're symptomatic for stress urinary incontinence, I can help you understand what that is and what some of the treatment options might be. And I can prepare you to actually have a meaningful conversation with your doctor, um, because while it's a taboo subject and it's hard to talk about, and particularly if, if he or she is really in a hurry, they will talk over you, so we will try to make sure that you have your voice heard for that. Overactive bladder is a little more complicated, and fortunately, there is a, a process called the care continuum. It defines how a person would be treated from behavioral modifications, diet and exercise, pads, guards, and shields, uh, Kegel exercises, um, a certain amount of prescription medication, more advanced therapies like Botox and what's called PTNS, uh, and then ultimately surgery, so that you know all of the treatments that your doctor's potentially going to talk to you about and how long you should be in that pathway. Okay. Well, I think the, um, the first thing that we try to encourage people to do is fill in a bladder diary. It turns out, as you're probably well aware of it, uh, recalls not real good in adults and it's not real good in older adults. so as you start to think about how big a problem do I have a bladder diary lets you outline that so when do I go how often do I go how do I go and I'll come back to that in a minute so that I can actually have a record of it now that record is a, a number of things one it's really important to take to your doctor because it says I'm serious about this. secondly the doctor now has some form of data that he can go I think I know what this is and I get to save a bit of time but I know where to ask my question. So the bladder diary really does help. The other thing is to sort of look at uh, diet and nutrition. So what you wouldn't want to do is have a conversation with your doctor where you're talking to him about voiding at night, and he finds out that, you know, maybe you shouldn't have three martinis after nine o'clock at night. So there could be some other things that we as humans do to exacerbate this problem.
1: Pelvic floor therapy is another important, even crucial option to help us with not just incontinence, but with a whole range of pelvic floor issues. And so could you expand a little bit on the importance of pelvic floor physical therapy?
3: There are about 90,000 physical therapists in America. Interestingly enough, there are about 2,500 pelvic floor specialists. It's a subset of physical therapists, and they love everything about about managing and strengthening the pelvic floor. The really good ones oftentimes can claim that, that for most of their patients, north of 75%, they can dramatically reduce the severity or eliminate incontinence altogether.
1: Do you think that five years from now, women going through menopause will be in a better place because of the work that you do and because there's more information out there, more resources available?
3: I think that is macro trend that's occurring is that people want to speak up and need to speak up for their own care. And I think there are others that will support that. Organizations like mine and others, you know, Healthy Women is another organization, the Simon Foundation, you know, they're encouraging those looking for help across a wide range of conditions. It's time to speak up and find the care that you need.
1: What's the one thing that if some powerful person flew into your office and said, I'm going to grant you a wish, what would that be?
3: I would like to do whatever I can to make sure that those looking for help find it, make it easier to find us. And I think talking to you like this, you know, just having this conversation that there are resources out there, I agree. And if we're not the right resource, maybe we can get you to the right resource.
1: I agree. I was really actually blown away by your website because it has just a wealth of information and resources. And I did read your bio and it said that you swam in the Olympics once. Which one and which event?
3: I was a 200 butterfly. Oh,
1: wow. Well, well done. I thank you, Stephen. This was such a pleasure. And I once again will say that anyone who has any issues with the pelvic floor with urinary incontinence with bowel incontinence or just want to learn more about it in a proactive way even should visit your website is nafc.org and whatever you do do not suffer in silence because we don't have to
3: you do not have to suffer in silence thank
1: you so much but don't hang up as yet i'm going to first drink a big glass of water in toasting Bladder continents.
2: So, Anne, since you're V Love Hub spokesperson for incontinence, what do you think of the National Association for continence
0: I think it's a it's a great resource, and I wish I knew about it a few years ago when I first discovered that I was having bladder issues. It would have saved me like a lot of stress and anxiety. I would have taken care of this issue much earlier on than waiting years later. So as the first lady of urgency, I really do urge anyone having any kind of incontinent issue to visit their website and get in touch with the organization,
1: get help, don't suffer in silence. So Anne, you decided to take matters in your own hands and give a couple of treatments a test run to see what worked for you and what didn't, what the drawbacks are, the cost, etc. Okay, Anne, the floor is all yours. Uh, The pelvic floor. The pelvic floor is all yours, Anne. Thank you. (laughs)
0: Okay, so the first thing I started out was with the MCELA chair. This was really the first incontinence treatment I came across. This was all pre-podcast, so absolutely no research. I thought... You know, let me try this out because I really needed to do something. But today I feel like I'm a bit of an expert on this issue. Back then I was just looking for help with my leakage and a weak bladder, weak pelvic muscles, and the urgency that I feel, the leakage that sometimes happen when I don't get to the bathroom in time. I had to figure something out. Anyway, the Mcella chair was being offered at the V Spot Medispa in New York City. I checked out their website and did some online research and I thought Okay, this is something that I could try. So I went to the spa where a guy in colleges examined me and then I got to sit on the chair. So uh, it's a big round chair. It's not upholster, it's plastic, sort of like you know a big round princessy medical chair. There's no cushion or anything. It's just like a flat seat that you sit on. It's just a flat surface. So it was your throne. The first lady on a throne. Yes, yeah, so I sat on my throne without my crown. They turn the machine on and then you just start feeling pulses going up your vagina. Those pulses are actually kegels. It's making your muscle contract. So you're doing kegels. So as I sat on the chair for 28 minutes, I apparently did 11,000 kegels. 11,000 kegels? Is that possible? I don't think
1: I've done that in my whole lifetime prior to sitting on the chair. (laughs) I think the three of us combined haven't done 11,000 Kegels. (laughs) Well, what I read was that it's electromagnetic stimulation that shot up you, which causes your pelvic muscles to contract and release, basically, you know, doing the Kegels for you. And I have to point out, it is FDA approved. So Anne, were you fully clothed when you were sitting on your throne? I think the first time... I sat
0: on it. I was wearing pants. I didn't take anything off, but then I figured that's kind of thick fabric. From then on, I just sat on it in my underwear. I just figured, let me try and get the full effect by not having so much fabric between me and the chair. Nothing comes between me and my Mcella chair. (laughs) So the thing is, you have to sign up for six sessions. That has to be done once a week. So for six weeks, you've got to show up once a week, six weeks straight on. I have a question, Anne. So you were able to witness
1: improvement
2: on your own? Or do they do any tests that kind of gauge any improvement?
0: No, I was able to notice the improvement on my own. There's no test to gauge how much your pelvic floor muscle unless you go and do it like a sonogram or something like that. I remember when you were doing these treatments, you told us
2: that they really felt it helped.
0: Yes, I definitely noticed an improvement like after two sessions. So like after two weeks, I definitely felt that I had less of an urgency compared to two weeks prior. By the sixth week, I didn't have any issues with urgency. I didn't have an accident. And a lot of people, critics, I would say, thought that maybe it's a placebo effect that this is just bs and it doesn't work well i have to say that it did work for me and i did not have any issues for about four months that's when it started to wear off because you have to remember it's not a cure it's like going to the gym and working out so you have to do it again And after about four months, I went back, probably on the fifth month, to do another session. And then that session, I was good for like a month and a half before I had like an accident or something. And I was like, okay, so I need something more convenient that I can do at home. One
2: thing though, um, going back to your interview, Judy, with Stephen Gregg, he mentioned the loss of estrogen contributes to the loss of integrity of the muscle of the pelvic floor. It does make me think, and did you ever consider any local estrogen?
0: At the time, I didn't know anything about local estrogen. I didn't know that estrogen would actually help me with this problem. Through research, I have found out that estrogen can be helpful, although I haven't tried it. But I just felt that what the emcella chair was very helpful for me. But the problem is, is the expense. How much did it cost? The six sessions. Is fifteen hundred bucks for all six, and then every time you go back, it was three hundred bucks a session. It's something that I would have to keep going in, maybe every other month, depending. So some people may have to go more often, and some people would have to go in less. After COVID, prices went up again. So it used to be three hundred bucks, now three hundred fifty bucks for me to go. For.
2: So do you feel like you have how do I say it a young, fresh, tight vagina
0: now? I gotta ask. Well, you know, I know we joked about it that okay, I just did another 11,000 Kigos. I'm going to be opening up the champagne bottles with my vagina while we're having our girls night or something like that. But I did not notice any difference when having sex. I was definitely not like a virgin. <laughs> there was no difference with intercourse for me. Your vagina
1: is still 53 years old. 53 years young. A <laughs> firm 53. All right. So before we hear Anne's review of her second treatment, I want to point out that the founder and owner of the V-Spot Medispa, Cindy Barshop, will be our guest on next week's episode so you can hear more about the m chair and all the other treatments they offer. Okay, back to Anne and option number two. What was that? Before
0: we go to option number two, I'd like to give the m chair a... Love it. My next thing that I did after some research, I, I found out there were other options for me besides the m chair and a much cheaper option. I went online I started researching about at-home devices and I've noticed there's two different types. Well, actually there's three. One is an insert that you put in, but you have to do your own kegos, like you actually have to tighten the muscles and do the work yourself. The other one is you insert it and um, it's similar to the Mcella chair. It does the work for you. And then the third option is like these gel pads that you put on your pelvic area. It doesn't require inserts or anything, but every now and then you'll have to, I guess, buy new gel pads or something like that. I decide to go with the Perifit, which is an insert that you put in, and I do my own Kegels. And the reason why I chose to do my own Kegels is because I already know what it's like not to do it and have the machine do it for me. So I figured, let me try something different. And so that also I wanted to learn if I am squeezing the right muscles. Because what a lot of people do, and I've even catch myself doing it while I'm I'm training, is that I start tightening my stomach muscle more than I am tightening my pelvic floor muscles. And this device shows you when... I'm doing it wrong. The line goes up as I'm like, oh shoot, I'm doing it wrong. Where are you watching the line? Oh, so you get an app on your phone. So there's different types of games that you can play. And these games, you're driving a car and to make the turn, you got to tighten your vagina. Oh my
1: God, that's hilarious. (laughs) If Elon Musk is listening, please develop this in your Tesla, because I'd love to be turning the corner with my vagina strength. (laughs) and then the other one is
0: asteroids i am shooting spaceships in outer space and avoiding asteroids with my vagina
2: pow pow so okay this game can i challenge you can we play
0: together no So you can't play against other players are you like trying to challenge
1: me you know how competitive i can get game on woman <laughs> sue did you get one of these fits as well
2: i actually did i just got one recently So you you just bought it just to challenge me? Well, to be honest, yeah, I always love a challenge and an excuse. But honestly, I was thinking, geez, you know, I don't want to have bladder weakness. I don't want to be rushing to the bathroom. And I mean, sometimes I'll laugh so hard, I can't even control it. So I kind of get what may be in my future if I don't keep my pelvic floor or my I don't know. If I don't keep up with my Kegels. I mean, I remember that also from childbirth. Yeah. So I think why not be proactive? I always love a workout.
0: Yeah. So, you know, so basically you're working out five days a week, anywhere from five to 12 minutes, not more than 15 minutes. So I did that for up to eight weeks. After four weeks, I started noticing a difference and I'm in to it now like three months, and now I do it like once or twice a week. I haven't had an issue after like six weeks, that that urgency issue. You know, it is a slower progress than I felt with the M. chair, but it definitely worked. Also, it's only gonna set you back. Let
1: me pull this up. She's pulling it out of her vagina.
0: Oh wait, you have the pink one, Anne. (laughs) I do have the pink one. What you mean? You have a different
1: color? Yeah, I have a mint-colored one. Judy, you need to get one too. No, I need to get one. I need to make sure my undercarriage stays in good shape.
0: Okay, so the Parafit, you can find it on the web for like 139 bucks to 199 bucks. You know, there's always sales, and I think very different the website offers different promotions. I think it's affordable. It lasts for I don't know. So far, it lasts for over three months for me and yeah and i would definitely give it a v.
2: Love it. so to be clear Anne, you're happy to stick with the perifit and not try other treatments
0: for now yes but in the future i might try the other device um where it does the work for me So that way, I don't have to worry
1: about it. Also, it's worth pointing out, we often talk about leakage issues as being a symptom of childbirth. While it's true, a lot of women who do give birth vaginally will suffer from some kind of leakage. We all know, we all have friends who have never had children or had C-section and still have the same issues. So it's really an issue for all women And we thank you, Anne, for doing this great research work for all womankind. It's been my pleasure. We love you, Anne.
2: I really think as long as we have control over something, we feel more empowered. And I think that's the key here. Get the information, do your research, do your homework, and know that there are options out there for you.
0: Yes, and I have to say, after three months of training, I have less stress and anxiety about where is the toilet. I don't have to worry about, before I leave the restaurant, I better go to the toilet because sometimes when I'm driving home, I get home and then I have that urgency where I really have to go, even though I did go to the bathroom before I left the restaurant. It does relieve a lot of, I guess, mental anxiety and stress. It's totally worth it, and I think... If anyone has any, any form of with pelvic weakness, bladder weakness, it's a great device to invest in. And again, there's other
1: options. You have to see what's right for you. Don't forget, if you are suffering from similar issues, visit the National Association for Continents website, which is nafc.org. And you can also visit our website at vlovehub, that's v-l-u-v-h-u-b.com, because all of the resources and options are listed
2: there. Next week's juicy episode, we've got two guests lined up. Cindy Barshop, the founder of the V-Spot Spa in New York City, where Anne went for her Emsella chair treatments, and Elaine Kopinga, the founder of Obatan Women's Wellness Collective in Newport Beach, California. Both badass entrepreneurs, or can we say vagopreneurs in the world of women's sexual health and wellness. So please come back and listen up. Love Hub is written and produced by Judy DeMello, Ann Katari, and Sue Delara. Music by A Cloudy Sky. Post production assistant: Max Podcasting.
0: Please
1: subscribe to our show wherever you download your pod. And for more information, please visit our website, vlovehub.com. That's V-L-U-V-H-U-B dot com. And follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. See you next week.